Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media. of acts of violence or that are of a sexual nature. It should be for people that are 18 years or older. Heed my warning, people. I did not get the facts of these cases off of the internet or from some television show. The facts I'm retelling you were presented to me by the victims of the crimes or the perpetrators who committed the crimes against the victims. My description of the crime scenes or what I saw with my own two eyes. If you're going to get offended, please turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton. And today we're going to continue with the series, and I couldn't decide whether I was going to name it progression or evolution. So I guess I'm going to call it both, right? So it doesn't matter, but stay tuned to end the show for some real-life, real-crime announcements. Now, y'all, this is definitely going to be the last part of this series, but it's a good one. It's a humdinger, so listen up. The first thing I want to tell you is when I got done recording part two, y'all know you know I'm raw and unscripted, right? But I've been getting these case files, and still mostly I go off of memories unless I have some stuff to read out of the case files. Well, on this case, there was so much and so many victims, et cetera. When I got done recording part two, I realized I left something very important out, a couple things that are very important out because it was bugging me out. I couldn't remember what it was. Well, actually, I couldn't remember how I came into in, to, uh, getting the arrest warrant for the black female that had been at the Kings before it was, you know, all the witnesses seen her there and, and, I was thinking she was going to be this uh, the one that had been mistaken for the uh, black male that that robbed the sweet little lady that was in the car, just driving the car. So I went back and I actually looked at the case file. I guess I should have done that ahead of time. But so this is it. Remember when I told you that Vic came back in uh, Vic Marler, the detective had come back and we got back to the office. This is the day after the lady was robbed in Albany and they put the gun in her mouth and knocked her to the ground and all that. And then late, later on, her purse was found in the car wash. And then another lady 
they this guy tried to Kendrick Mateer tried to abduct her at gunpoint to kidnap her and and steal her truck, and he actually put the gun in her mouth and and she, she was able to kick him and get away, et cetera. Well, that night I said I didn't know what his name was at the time, right? But that evening I was like, damn, you know these these dudes or this these two people are evolving, especially if they're the same ones from the Kings. They're evolving. Their progression, they're going to kill someone. So I called all, uh, Vic and I called all the local surrounding agencies. Remember, I called Hammond City Police Department and said, look, just tell your guys if they, you know, see somebody that fits this description, tall, black male, and in, you know, about 6'1, 180 pounds, whatever, shorter black female, especially around the business, or, or they get an armed robbery call, or if you have any cases, you know, just we're trying to identify them, right, at that point. And that's when I got woke up in the middle of the night by the uniform officer from Hammond who had, they had gotten a 911 call from the local hotel stating the owner said, hey, I'm about to get robbed. There's these people out here, and I think I'm about to get robbed. Well, they roll up on them, and they catch him, and guess what? It actually, this is where I, what I forgot to leave out. The female was there. I, I, I think I said last time that the car had gone or whatever. The, I know that definitely the gray car wasn't there, but when they rolled up on him, they're together. It's the black male who lied. They separated them. And, and law enforcement is called a 107P. When you call, call it out to the units, hey, there's a 107P, at such such hotel or two one oh seven P's at such such hotel, possible sixty four G armed robbery about to go down, right? So they roll up on them, no lights and sirens, and they catch them in the parking lot close to the front desk of the hotel. And it's the black male and the black female. They separate them and say, Hey, what are you doing here? They gave conflicting stories. She gave a different name for him than he gave. Well, why? Because he had warrants for his arrest. They were able to pat frisk him, get his ID, find out what his real name was, ran him. Yes, he had warrants. And the officer realized, hey, you know what? I think this is what, what he was talking about. This is what we were warned about. And so they called me. But guess what? I forgot to tell you. They identified the female as Tara Hunter. T-A-R-A Hunter, okay? But they had to let her go. She didn't have any warrants or history or anything else, and I do not know what vehicle she left in, et cetera. I just know that I forgot to tell you all that, and it's, and it's important. So when I go that night to the jail, I interviewed him, and I locked him into a statement. He had never been to Livingston Parish in his entire life and all that, right? But what I... Also locked him into, you know, and during the conversation, I said, hey, tell me about Tara Hunter. Because remember, they ID'd her on the scene. They got her ID and, and ran her and everything. But they gave me that before I went in to interview uh, Mateer. And he said, I don't know what you're talking about. He, this dude was cocky, right? And, and, and you know, thought he was smarter and every, everything. And I guess it, I, no telling how many robbers they had done in all the different parishes or what, but he was from Centerville, um, Mississippi. And so I asked him, I just slipped it in there as an afterthought. You know, he was talking after he'd been advised his Miranda rights, but he really wasn't saying dick other than to deny everything like, ha ha, prove it, motherfucker. 
and I'm smarter than you, right? So I lock him into the Livingston Parish. Never been to Livingston Parish my entire life. Blah, 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 whatever. Okay, fuck you. I know you're lying now. The, uh, where I'm still assuming y'all hadn't showed, done the photo lineups yet. But I said, tell me about Tara Hunter. He said, who? I said, Tara Hunter. And he said, I don't know who you're talking about. He said, I don't know her. And I said, well, you, you, know, you were with her at the hotel tonight. And he said, no, no, I wasn't with anybody. That you know, I don't know who that chick was. I don't know no Tara Hunter. And I'm like, okay. So that's when I called in and had the photo lineups done of him, Kendrick Mateer, with his information, and a photo lineup done of her, Tara Hunter. And I have all these photo lineups, y'all, and I'll be putting them up for, for Patreon and Convicts on that page. But the ones I read to you about the victims positively identifying Mateer, well, guess what? Once the first victim positively identified Kendrick Mateer out of the photo lineup and wrote what they wrote, I immediately got an arrest warrant for him for armed robbery. Then I had to have Tina type it up, Tina Stafford Pierce, so now type it up, and I had to go get a sign. I think the first one that I was able to show it to for whatever reason was the attempted kidnapping in the truck. She never saw the female. She just saw the car, small gray car, speed away behind her vehicle. The only ones that saw her were all the people around the Kings and the girl that was inside the Kings that got robbed. Kings the dry cleaner. And then the lady, the little sweet lady that got robbed and and they ended up taking her purse and they lied and said they were from New Orleans, et cetera. But she thought it was a male in the car. So she, anyway, my goal was to get a warrant that was going to stand that I knew was going to stand. I didn't know these other people's warrants on material, but the I needed them to hold him, right? So took it, swore it out before the judge, boom, called it in, entered him in the NCIC. Now I got a hold on him, right? Now we're able to go around and show the photos to everybody else. What happens was, now remember there was – shit ton of witnesses at the Keens robbery. And every single one of them positively identified Tara Hunter from the photographs as well as, as the actual robber, Kendrick Mateer, except for the victim in the Keens. She said, she said, Woody, I'm 99.9% sure that that's him, but I, I can't be positive because I keep seeing the gun. He, she said, but I'm a thousand percent sure that's her. And she picked Tara Hunter out of the photo lineup that was standing outside the front of the store looking around while I was being robbed. She said, I, I, I can I can get on the stand and testify to that, right? All right. So that, that was a little messed up on my part, y'all. I, I just hadn't gone back and read it, and I guess I should have. But I was laying there last night thinking about it. I was like, damn, wow. How, yeah, how did I not? So, but anyway, Went back, read it. There you have it. I don't always get it right. I mean, it's been 16, 17 years, but you, now you have it right. So let's pick the story back up. So we'll go in. It takes a, a time, and, and Vic Marler went out and, and did um, several of the photo lineups for me. I did a bunch of them. Calvin did some, I think. And, and I mean, it was a lot, right? There's a lot of witnesses to run down, a lot of photo lineups to show. You've got to work the case. But guess what? I know he's locked up. 
he's not getting out. He's just sitting in Hammond in the Hammond jail with a hold for me to come get him. So he can't get out. Tara Hunter, meanwhile, I had to go back and get warrants for her, her arrest, but that would come just a little bit later for principal two armed robberies, all right? They were picking her out of the photo lineup, but I didn't know where she was. I didn't have an address in it. I mean, they got her name and date of birth, but they didn't get an address for whatever reason. And so this is all fluid motion. I know the gun guy, the one who keeps progressing and evolving and putting the pistol in people's mouths and to their ears and, and, you know, goes from hidden crimes opportunity like the Keens to now carjacking, trying to kidnap people and shit. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, it was a matter of moments before he he killed someone by, by hook or crook. I mean, it was coming. I mean, I just felt it in my bones. But so we go out and we work all this stuff, and, and I'm like, finally, at the end of the day, I'm like, shit, I, I'm going to go get this asshole and see if he wants to talk now. Now I had a bunch more warrants made for him. Now I had the warrant for the sweet lady in Albany. I had the warrant made for the lady in the truck, the kidnapping, and and the warrant made for the ro armed robbery of Kings, based off everybody else's statements, et cetera, that, that, that you know, saw him in the area, the whole nine yards. Even though she couldn't say 100% off the thing, I still had enough probable cause, which is only... 50% plus one to get that warrant signed. So now I've got all these warrants. So I get to the office, and the other people are still in the field working, but Detective Larry Tate was there. And I'll tell you about Larry. Larry been on the job like, I don't know, 30 years, man. I think he retired like shortly after this. And he was a great big mountain of a man, a big athlete when he was younger and stuff. But um, just a Real, real good guy. Now, Larry, I guess when you reach the end of your career, you know, you don't get excited about much. But I'm going to tell you the one thing about Larry is if I had said, hey, Larry, you know, you come help me, then he was coming. And he was a wealth of knowledge. I mean, but he probably forgot more about crimes than I ever knew. But I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. We were sitting in the back office one afternoon, like 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just Larry and I. And, and uh, I was at my desk working on something that Larry had his feet up on his desk and, um, you know, let's just say he was relaxing after lunch. Stan Carpenter came in, who was the chief of the Texas at the time, came in, kicked open the door, and he was in the tip. Now, you get your asses up, and you need to go out there and do this. And, and, and Larry taking his feet off the desk, and then Stan was digging ass, right? This needs to be done, and this needs to be done, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, like, pissed. And, and... And he turned around, and he slammed that door, and he went out into the other office. And, and Larry looked at me. I mean, his desk was right two feet away from me on my right. He looked at me, and he said, well, bud, it sounds like they need to hire some more fucking detectives. <laughs> and he, he leaned back in his chair, and he put his feet up on the desk, and he went back to, to his nap. <laughs> so Larry was at that point in his career, but it, it, I learned a lot from him. He's a super dude. And anybody from the LP that knows, uh, Larry Tate knows what I'm talking about. But so I said, Larry, I got to go get this dude from Hammond. I said, I know it's late in the evening. Will you come with me? He's like, yeah, 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 bud, I'll come with you. I'll come with you. So we ride over there and get him and pick him up. And I wasn't, wasn't trying to talk to him. I already had enough out of him. I knew 
that he knew Tara Hunter. I knew that he'd been lying about being in the Livingston Parish. I got all these eyewitnesses. I was going to you know, build this case and let the evidence speak for itself. Well, check this shit out. We get to the jail. I shit you not. Now, when we get to the jail, you have to bring around the backside through what they call a sally port through the back gate, and they have to wait. you have to wait for it to be open from the inside. You drive in, and the gate closes behind you, and you drive around to the side, and there's a back door with what I call a sally port. And, and you, get, you get your bad guy or girl out, and you go into the sally port. You have to buzz through the first door. You enter that hallway, and if you have a weapon on, you secure it in a locker. Uh, you shake your guy down or your bad guy or girl down again, and, and then that, now you're in this glass booth, and directly across from you is the control room for, for the jail, the, the old jail, y'all. I'm, no, I'm not talking about the new one. They, and they're looking at you, and when you get ready, you give them a signal, and they buzz you in. When they buzz you in, then you have to walk down around a corner and take them into the booking room. Well, guess what? When you do that, the, there's a window, and they can see in the lobby, and I shit you not, fucking Tara Hunter was sitting in the, the visitation area of the lobby. And Mateer looked over, and he, and he saw her. Tara Hunter, the female that has now been positively identified, is sitting in the, like a waiting area where the, when you come to bond somebody out and shit like that or check on the bond, there's a window or whatever. And it should have was as much a shock to me as it was to him. And he saw her, and, and he said, oh, and, and I keep walking her down. I'm like, is that fucking really her? I mean, all I had was the, the photo lineups, right? But it, it looks just, just like her. He says, and I'm not racist, y'all. I'm telling you what he said. He said something to the fact of, he said, it's Detective Overton, Detective Overton. And he said, I told you I, I don't I know uh, Tara Hunter. But I was lying. He said, he said, he said, that's one badass nigga. And she'd be robbing motherfuckers all the time. He said, she's a bad nigga. She'd be robbing motherfuckers all the time. He said, I, I, I know her, but I don't know her like that. So you better, well, you know, she, she, she's a robber. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, you just go ahead and hang yourself, swim out into that water, right? Hey, lifers, you've heard me tell you about every plate, the home meal kit before, and I'm going to do it again because I love it. There's nothing better than when that box shows up on your doorstep and it has all the ingredients that you need to cook an awesome meal that tastes better than takeout or something you can get in a restaurant. And the last one Cindy and I cooked together was scampi-style shrimp linguine with parmesan and buttery breadcrumbs. Everything came in the box that you need, shrimp, Parsley, linguine pasta, panko breadcrumbs, shredded parmesan, garlic, lemon, and chicken stock. Took about 35 minutes to prep it, and when it came out, we ate it up. Delicious. Now, you know we're from South Louisiana, and we love to cook, and we love our spices, and we love a good food. Every plate delivers it to your door, and they're much cheaper than all the other home delivery kits out there. You could choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap protein, veggies, and sides to your liking. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from a grocery store ingredients. So now is the perfect time to focus on saving money easily. 
Give yourself and your wallet a break. Enjoy delicious, affordable meals delivered to your door and ready to go in just six simple steps. Try every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RLRC179. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RLRC179. That's up to $104 value, y'all. You won't regret it. Delivered to your door. Easy to cook. The meals and the flavors are fire and it's much cheaper than the other national brand save you time save you money and get a better meal and i can't wait for my next box to come in so again try every plate for just one dollar and 79 cents per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code rlrc 179 i'm paraphrasing but he's definitely said the n-word several times but now I mean, I didn't know what the fuck she was doing up there. Evidently, she came up to see what, you know, her partner in crime's bond was and she, or what the charges were, whatever it was. Shit, I hadn't even got to book him in yet. So, end up arresting Tara Hunter also over two counts of principal to armed robbery. Again, why? Every, because everybody at the Keens, including the, the victim from the Keens and all the other witnesses, put her there, you know, going in, looking in the windows, and and the victim puts her standing outside. And principal to y'all, that's the Louisiana Revised Statute 1427, which just, uh, you might as well have done the fucking armed robbery yourself, right? I mean, it, it's it's bad. And then the, the sweet lady from Albany, and when she was shown the, the photo lineup of the female, Vic Marlowe did that one. She said, no, 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 no. And I'm, I'll read that one to you. I have her here in front of me. She said, no, that's, she said, that's definitely, that's definitely who was driving the car. She said, I thought it was a, a dude, a guy. Okay, this is, this is Tara Hunter's photo lineup from that lady. She said on uh, March the 29th, 2006, the day of the robbery, this lady which I thought was a man with pulled back hair, was the driver of the getaway car. She was positively identified by myself, and she gives her name, the date, and the time. So arrest her to book material, and I charge material with everything in the world from uh, the armed robbery of the Kings, armed robbery, and, and, oh, the lady from Albany also had injuries from where he knocked her to the ground, and and I know uh, Vic Marlowe photographed those, the bruising. And, I mean, she was an elderly lady charged with the armed robbery and everything from her, and I think maybe the injuring of her or whatever. And then the attempted aggravated kidnapping of the victim in Denham Springs and the carjacking and armed robbery of the victim in Denham Springs, as well as, uh, like I said, the armed robbery of the Kings. Well, guess what? You're looking at a whole lot of lifetimes there, y'all. Life, life, life. I mean, they're not going to call it life, but they're going to give you 99, 99, plus 99, plus whatever else, right? So what happened was, I mean, they, they fought it. I mean, this it, it took a while. I was actually with the state police by the time this went to trial, but I had to come back as a witness in the trial. I had to come back on several motions to suppress and different stuff like that. And you're going to hear some papers rattling y'all while I'm, I'm going through this. We didn't lose any of it. We won every you know, motion to suppress. Now, he hired a lawyer. I think his lawyer's name was Miller or something like that. 
and she had her own lawyer, right? They were tried together, I think, because of the amount of witnesses and photo lineups and all that stuff. But let me read you my report. And and on the my report, y'all, that the I wouldn't include everything sometimes just because you can you can put too much in a report. Anything you write down can be used against you, right? So on, on a report, I like to keep it simple kiss, right? Keep it simple, stupid, and and to direct and to the point. So I'm gonna read over this. I'm gonna read it out loud to you. This is my actual I wrote this myself back in two thousand six. So it's, and I'm gonna leave the names out. So on March tenth, two thousand six, at approximately fourteen hundred hours, Detective Woodrow Overton in the parentheses henceforth I responded to Keene's Dry Cleaner Store, which is located on Magnolia Beach Road in Louisiana Highway 16 in the Broadway Shopping Center on a report of an armed robbery. Upon my arrival, I met with blank, white female, blank, blank, address, et cetera, phone number, who stated that a tall, skinny black male had entered the store and asked to use the restroom. Blank stated that she observed a heavy-set, short black female with unkempt hair waiting outside the door to the store. Blank stated that the black male was wearing a black hooded sweatshirt with a type of skull cap on his head and blue jeans. The female was wearing a green and white striped shirt and green pants. Blank stated that she became afraid that something was not right when she observed the black male come back around the counter and point a revolver in her face and demand money. Blank stated the suspect kept repeating, give me the money now. Blank gave the suspect $70 from the register, and then he forced her to the back of the store at gunpoint and demanded more money. Blank gave suspect approximately $75 more, and suspect then told her to stay there until he left, put the pistol in his jacket, and then ran from the store. Detectives Vic Marler, Calvin Bowden, Larry Tate, Brian Smith, and I began to interview witnesses in the shopping center where the Kings was located. Livingston Parish Sheriff's deputy set up a perimeter in an attempt to locate the suspects, but were unsuccessful. The detective spoke to numerous witnesses in the Broadway Shopping Center who had seen the suspects walking through the area and gave descriptions of both. Blank, white male, blah, 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 address, etc., said that he was parked parking at Keene's when he observed a tall, skinny black male with a black jacket, baggy blue jeans, and a black skull cap running from the store along with a black female with a bright colored shirt. Blank stated that the male was approximately 6'2", 185 pounds, and the female was approximately 5 feet and 145 pounds. Blank went into the Kings, and upon entering, the victim stated she had been robbed. Blank attempted to chase the suspects but was unable to locate them. Detective Calvin Bowden spoke with Blank, and gives this lady's information, who is at Advantage Homes and Properties business, business located in the Broadway Shopping Center at such such. Blank advised that the black male had come to her business shortly before the Kings was robbed. Blank stated that the male asked to use the business restroom and that he went into the restroom and after a few seconds exited and left the business. Blank stated that she went to the Broadway Shopping Center to check on a female tenant when she observed the black male and female looking into the windows of the shopping center. The black male then entered the Kings, the cleaners, and blank, then called blank at Advantage Home 
and properties and gives his information and told him to call the police because she was uncomfortable with the way the male and female were acting. Immediately after hanging up the telephone, Blank saw the black male run from Keynes in a northerly direction. She went to the Keynes and found the victim very upset, and the victim told her that she had just been robbed at gunpoint. Detectives were able to obtain security camera video from cameras at the Key Point Federal Credit Union, which is located in the Broadway Shopping Center. The camera showed the male and female walking behind the credit union and then in front of the credit union before the Kings was robbed. On 3-31-2006, I showed a composite photographic lineups to Blank, who positively identified number two in the lineup as being the black female who waited outside the door while she was armed robbed. Number two is identified as Tara Hunter, black female, 10-11-1983, 604 Phoenix Square, Hammond, Louisiana, victim. Stated she thought that number five, Kendrick McTeer, was the man who robbed her because, but that she wasn't positive because she kept remembering the pistol in her face. On 3-31-2006, I showed a composite photographic lineups to blank, who positively identified Kendrick Mateer, number five, and Tara Hunter, number two, as being involved in the robbery of the Kings. Blank stated that she saw both suspects while in advantage home properties and then saw them again while parked in front of her business, Styles, which is located in the Broadway Shopping Center. On 3-31-2006, I showed a composite photograph lineups to Blank, a white male who positively identified Kendrick Mateer, number five, as the person who had come into Advantage Home and Properties to use the restroom. Blank stated that when Mateer left with the black female, they thought the two were suspicious and watched as they immediately went to the Broadway Place Shopping Center. Blank further stated that the other female, y'all, drove over to the shopping center and called him and said that the heavyset black lady was still in the parking lot and then said the black male was running out of the King's Cleaner. Blank said that he did, then called 911. On 4-6-2006, Blank was shown a composite photographic lineup, and she positively identified number five as being the male who she saw in her business and running from King's. Number five is Kendrick Demetric Mateer, black male, 4-22-1988 whatever. On 3-29-2006, at approximately 1,400 hours, Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office was called by a blank white female uh, from Albany, who reported that she had been armed robbed by a black man who stole her purse. Blank reported that she pulled into her driveway and that a gray newer model car pulled up behind her. Blank stated that a tall, skinny black male wearing a white T-shirt and blue jeans got out of the passenger side of the vehicle, walked up to her, and stated that they were from the Ninth Ward in New Orleans and were lost. Blank said she observed another person that she thought was a male driving the car. Blank stated that the male then pulled a small revolver, pointed it in her face, and then stuck it in her mouth. Blank stated that the male then cocked the pistol and put it into her ear and shoved her to the ground and grabbed her purse and ran to the car. Blank stated that the two then drove away in the car towards the interstate. 
On 3-30-2006, Detective Victor Marler and I showed blank a composite photo lineups. Blank positively identified Kendrick Mateer number five as the person who put the pistol in her mouth and robbed her. Blank also positively identified Tara Hunter as the driver of the getaway car. Blank stated at the time of the robbery she thought Hunter was a man because she had her hair pulled back, but there was no doubt in her mind that Hunter was the driver of the vehicle. Blank had numerous bruises to her body from being knocked to the ground, which Detective Marla photographed. At 4.49 p.m., Denham Springs Police Officer Matthew Martello was patrolling for an armed robbery suspect when he was stopped by Blank, who stated that he worked at the Ranger Car Wash in Denham Springs and that he had found a purse in a garbage can near the rear of the business. The purse belonged to the victim from Albany, y'all. I made additional warrants for Kendrick McTeer for the armed robberies of the Keynes Dry Cleaner and the victim from Albany. Detective Larry Tate and I transported Mateer from Hammond City Jail and booked him into the Livingston Parish Jail. Before transporting Mateer, I again advised him of his Miranda warnings. When we entered the Livingston Parish Jail, Mateer saw Hunter sitting in the visitation room. Mateer then told me he needed to talk to me. I said, go ahead. Mateer stated that he did know Hunter but he didn't rob anyone. Mateer further stated that he knew Hunter would rob people and that she hung out with a bunch of badass niggers. On 3-10-2006, Detective Calvin Bowden lifted fingerprints from the King's Dry Cleaner storefront door. He also obtained a pack of cigarettes that Tara Hunter had possibly handled. Both items were sent to Louisiana State Police Crime Lab for processing in the report. All right, y'all, so... Everything may not be exactly like I, I told you, but that that's my actual report. But I don't put every single detail that the victims say in or every single witness, uh, full statement, et cetera. Obviously, there's more to it that's not in that stack but the, uh, about the, the victim with the Ford truck and the kidnapping and all that. So long story short, going to trial. They're not pleading them down, okay? Go to trial, and, I, and I'll never forget it. We were sequestered after, meaning we— we had to be separated, and uh, nobody could talk to the jury, and the witnesses had to be separated after the opening arguments. So Greg Murphy was the assistant district attorney prosecuting it, and y'all love the guy. I mean, I, we never lost a case. He, he's fire, right? And, and he's, he's a pistol. Greg gets up and gives his opening, you know, lays out the case, and pretty much as, as I have to y'all. Mateer and Hunter had separate lawyers. And what I rem distinctly remember is Mateer's lawyer refuses to give an open statement. <laughs> he was like, fuck it, and I'm not doing it. And 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 Tara's, Hunter's lawyer gave whatever statement saying that, that she didn't do it and it's bad police work and she wasn't there, blah, 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 whatever. So we're sequestered. Trial goes on. Greg puts on his case and put Calvin on about the uh, bank video or whatever, puts me on about all the photo lineups and how I came to develop uh, Mateer and Hunter as suspects and the whole nine yards, and, and trial goes on, right? Then all the—okay, he put, he put me on after he put on all the eyewitnesses. So he built a hell of a case and went through everything, right? Then puts me on, I do mine— 
the prosecution rests. The defense gets up, shit you not. Mateers, lawyer, puts Mateers, uh, I think it was his father. The, it, after I'm done testifying, I could come back in and watch how I'm no longer sequestered, okay? So I go back and watch. I think it was the father. Here's the deal. I, I, it definitely was a material. I think it was his dad, and he said he lived with him, whatever, if I can remember correctly. But this guy's a pastor, okay? Gets on the stand, gets sworn in, swears he's, a, he, you know, this is what he does. He's a pastor, da 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 da, da And guess what? Mateer's lawyer asks him, says, well, tell us about, you know, such, such date. And he said, oh, my son was home with me all day long in Centerville, Mississippi. Okay. You, you know that for sure. Yes, to do. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. For sure. Yes. Yeah, okay. Turns him over to, to Greg. Greg gets up and he's like, uh, are you sure about that? He's like, yeah, I'm sure he was there. I'm sure he was there. He said, he said you know, let me ask you a question. He said, when were you asked to testify in this trial? And the guy got flustered, and he was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? He said, when were you asked to testify in this trial? And and he said, well, he had to admit, y'all, that he had just been asked like the week before trial to testify. Now, this shit had gone on, this is like four years later or something that's the trial. I mean, I've been in state police for like three years. It had been a long time. And... You're going to tell me that all of a sudden you can remember you've never been asked to testify, never given your testimony or whatever. So what, I'm going to tell you what happened. They went through all of these motions and shit, and they thought they were going to get a plea bargain or something, right? And Greg was like, fuck you. I'm, we're not giving you a plea bargain because we got your ass, right? And and you need to go to jail because you were progressing, you were evolving, you were going to kill somebody. If you get out, you can do the same shit again. Y'all, making content is an essential part of what I do to keep this show going, but it hasn't always been a seamless creative process. I'm going to tell you something. When I started out on Facebook and Instagram and all this stuff, I didn't know about how to do different fonts or backgrounds or use different pictures or stagger my posts so they would come out at different times, right? I Basically, I didn't know anything. Then I found Canva Pro, and it lets me design anything like a pro on any device. Canva Pro is a design platform that empowers you to create and share stunning content in just a few clicks. Designing with Canva Pro is amazingly fast and fun. Choose from thousands of templates that are easy to customize or start from scratch. Canva Pro has endless premium fonts, photos, videos, and so much more that add personality and edge to whatever you're designing. Look, I use it, y'all, my backgrounds. There's thousands of them you can choose from. Photographs, the fonts, everything that I use. I, I like to change it up, and I'm on so many different social media pages now. Now we have the Real Life Real Crime Community app, right? Go check it out. Canva Pro has all these images and tools to help you make the impressive professional-looking designs. Designing together has never been easier. Sharing, editing, and commenting in real time, Canva Pro helps you stay organized on the same page and on top of team projects. 
No more misplaced files or tedious back and forth. Plus, you and four teammates can unlock everything Camera Pro has to offer for just $12.99 a month. Y'all, I don't just use it. Cindy uses it. My daughter uses it. It's a team effort to get all this awesome material from Camera Pro to use in our, in our social media posts. With Camera Pro's Content Planner, you'll save time planning, creating, and posting social media content too. Pause, schedule posts, and edit them at any time. My favorite Camera Pro feature is now, y'all, it's the delaying of the post. So I can sit down and, and type out all these different posts and then schedule them through Camera Pro to be released at different times. I love it. It saves me a lot of time. Instead of spending 18 hours a day on social media, now I can cut it down to about nine so I can bring you better content on real life, real crime. Design like a pro with Camera Pro. Right now, you can get a free 45-day extended trial when you use my promo code. Just go to canva.me slash R-L-R-C to get your free 45-day extended trial. That's C-A-N-V-A dot M-E slash R-L-R-C. Canva.me slash R-L-R-C for your free 45-day extended trial. So at the last second, he comes up with these witnesses. Now, guess what? Comes up with another witness. There's a lady, and I'm not going to say her name, who owns a, we'll call it a luncheon place uh, up there in Centerville, right? And she gets takes a stand, and she swears that on these dates in question that, that uh, Kendrick Mateer could not have been in Livingston Parish doing these robberies now these separate dates, right? Because she remembers distinctly that he came in and bought lunch around one o'clock at, at her establishment. Get the fuck out of here. Right? So Greg waits and lets her testify. And and so she testifies absolutely uh, on these two dates four years ago, however long ago. I mean, y'all have been years and years. That he just, you know, he came into my establishment and ordered his lunch. So he couldn't have been in Livingston Parish at the time that y'all were saying because I'm, I'm telling you, he wasn't there. <laughs> Greg gets back up and he's like, um, basically the same question. When were you asked to testify in this case? And she said, um, like a couple of weeks ago. Y'all, that's after they realized Mateer was fucked, and and I mean his goose was cooked, and he wasn't going to get a plea bargain, right? Then here's the real kicker: the very few times I've ever, I've ever seen this, Kendrick Mateer, the suspect, the guy that's under all my charges, got sworn in, and he took the stand, and the judge told him, "said You know you have a." A right to not self-incriminate yourself and, and, and you don't have to testify. He said, yeah, this idiot got up there and said he had ne never been to Livingston Parish. He had, uh, if I remember correctly, he had never been to Livingston Parish. He didn't know Hunter and he was in Centerville and basically that was the story and he was sticking to it. And I don't even remember what Greg asked him, if anything. I, I think 
I think he didn't ask much of anything because all the eyewitnesses, now these are all business owners and good people and a sweet little old lady, and all these people positively said, hey, motherfucker, you put a gun in my mouth, you and cocked it, you put a gun in my ear, you you know, did this, da da da, and then and all the witnesses who who weren't the victims, right? And but they, you know, they, when I was on the stand, they tried to challenge me and and saying that I just focused in on material and blah 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 blah. Of course, I mean, it just wasn't believable. Not to you know, hey, we're sitting in front of a jury of twelve regular people who, when the Sweet lady got up on the stand. They're thinking, hell, that could be my mom or my grandmother, right? The other victims get on the stand. They're thinking, that could be my kid. That could be my my aunt, they, you know, whatever. I, they, You talk about you know, the progression and the evolution of these crimes from him doing the Keens to putting a gun in the mouth and cocking and putting a gun in the ear and then trying to kidnap somebody, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it didn't take long, y'all. You know, they did closing arguments and everything else. I think the jury went out at like, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. They came back at 5 o'clock. The judge dismissed them for the night. They were sequestered, came back, and, and the next day they come back guilty. On Kendrick Mateer, guilty of the armed robbery of the Keens, even though the victim said, and she testified to it, she said, I'm 99% sure it was him, but it, it, that lady was definitely the one standing out front. Uh, but you had all the other witnesses, right? And and that put him in the area, and he went into other businesses. You had they showed the uh, videotape from the bank, which wasn't the best in the world, but I mean, showed them walking together. The jury comes back on the, the first charge, armed robbery, Keens guilty, Kendrick McTair. Second charge, the armed robbery, and whatever else on the lady in Albany who's. Yeah, she testified, y'all, and she's she's a pistol. I'm telling you, she was elderly, and I hope she's still alive. As a matter of fact, I talked to a lifer last year, the year before, who said that was her people, right, and and that she was still alive. So, but she got out there and and she made she testified. She did a hell of a job, and guilty. Okay, the lady, the the attempted aggravated kidnapping. The armed robbery of the lady in the Ford truck, guilty. All right, and and Tara Hunter was up for two counts of principal two. She, she was found guilty on the principal two. The lady from Albany she, that that she was a driver and she was like you know saying come on we just grab the purse da 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 da. She was found guilty on on that one and she was they found her not guilty on the principal two the Kings which is fine it doesn't matter. I came back for the sentencing date for Matera. I don't know what they gave Hunter because I, I didn't really care enough to come back for that one. But I came back on Matera. Uh, this is a young kid, right? And But I'm telling you, he was going to kill somebody. He was evolving. He was progressing. He was going to murder someone. It was just a matter of time. And I don't think the surrounding jurisdictions even looked at their cases to see what was open, you know, what— once this bad guy's off the street and they knew he wasn't getting out, the they I mean they still still got other cases to work right. But I promise you, they they robbed more people in that 19 days. But I come back for the sentencing on, on Mateer and stood him up, and the judge 
went aboard his ass and said, you know what, you shouldn't have. Yeah, I think maybe they had offered him uh, some kind of plea or whatever, or maybe like 40 years or something way back, and he turned it down and, and before the trial, and that's when he comes up with his witnesses after the fact and all that. But the judge gave him like an 80, I think 85, 90 years, something like that, The and then something else on top of that. And then, and his people were in the courtroom, and then they were, you know, crying and screaming and mad. Well, guess what? I mean, yeah, it sucks that your family member's going away for the rest of his natural-born life. Uh, he's going to die in Angola. But he's not getting a needle because he's going to kill somebody. And I, my heart goes out. To suspects' families, right? They, or bag, now convicted people, uh, felons' families. That sucks for them, but he did it. He did it. He changed these people's lives forever, and he absolutely was going to evolve. I believe in my heart of hearts that had I not stopped him and, and developed him as a suspect and, and built that case, that he would have killed somebody. Guaranteed. freaking T. Now I'm gonna close it with this. I was working as a criminal investigator with the state police, and I was driving out of headquarters in Baton Rouge, and I haven't even gotten my state police stage yet, y'all, so you know, there's plenty more stories to come, but I was driving back. I was living in Clinton at the time, and I was driving back, and I stopped at this little gas station to get gas, and it's been like, hell, I think it was like the week after the trial or something. It, it, it was it was really, really recent. Uh, I mean, it, it might have been within days. I never stopped at this store. And I stopped, and I, uh, we had fuel man cards, right? You had to go in the store and enter your stuff to you know, get your gas. So I stopped and went in to do it, and the, and the little girl behind the uh, counter saw my badge and my gun. And at State Police, it was different. I didn't have to wear a coat and tie every day. I wore, like, um, BDU pants, like tan pants, and a State Police shirt with a badge on it. But I you know, had my duty weapon on uh, and my badge on my belt. And she said, you work at State Police? I said, yep. And, and she said, you know anybody? Oh, you know a detective who used to work in Livingston works at state police? I'm thinking, well, shit, that's me. I said, I said, yeah, yeah, well, why? And she said, yeah, Woody Overton. I said, I said yeah. I, I said, I know him. And she said, he framed my uh, friend. I said, what are you talking about? She said, he framed Kenji McTeer, and they sent that boy away for the rest of his life for something he didn't do. That boy had never even been to know Livingston Parish and, and, and didn't even know that girl and da 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 And I was like, man, I said, you know what? That really sucks. <laughs> I turned around and I left again my ship. That's not the end. Like within another week, my my cell phone rang and I answered it and it was a, obviously it was a black male on the phone. And he said, Woody Overton, I said, I said yeah. I always answered investigator over some, and I said, "Yeah," and he said, "We're gonna kill you." I said, "Is that yeah, okay?" And, and who are you, and what's your name? I mean, y'all, if you wouldn't believe the threats I get, and, and still to this day do, but um, he said, "We're gonna kill you for framing Kendrick Mateer. I'm like, "Well, you know what? I didn't frame him, and if you won't come kill me." I'm not hard to find. I'll be at state police headquarters every day, but you better bring a fucking arsenal because you're going to spring a leak, bitch. And then don't let me see you before you see me because I'm going to fucking kill you, right? And I, I had to call Greg 
Murphy, and I just and I made it a little instant report on it. It was a block number, obviously, and I didn't. I didn't want to go through all the trouble of of trying to track down whether it's a cell phone. They still have pay phones, some pay phones back then or whatever. I knew, it, you know, first I didn't. I didn't wasn't worried about it, right? It's, I don't ever worry about motherfuckers that say they're going to do this or that, put it on Facebook or send me all these messages every day, oh, we're going to kill you and you're so-and-so and you everything and you be Jesus. Oh, well, fuck you. Yeah, I'm easy to find. You better be a quicker draw than me, motherfucker, because I will kill you. Okay, so the, the I don't worry about those the, the ones who mouth off and say they're bullshit. It's the ones who are silent. That you got to worry about. It's the ones that never say a word. Because if I was coming for you, I damn sure not going to give you a warning about it. But anyway, that's the end of the series. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Just an old case of mine in um, evolution or progression, whatever. But I appreciate and love each and every one of y'all. Thank you so much for you know, listening, please, wherever you listen to your podcast, take a second and hit subscribe. And if you have to log in to listen to podcasts, but real life, real crime, there's a subscribe button, whether you listen on iHeartRadio or Apple or wherever you get your podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, I'm, I'm everywhere in the world, people. On every platform you can get your podcast, I'm there. Real life, real crime is there. Take a second, hit subscribe. That way, when these episodes drop, they'll automatically download for you. You'll get a notification, and you can listen to them whenever you get ready. All right? In Real Life Real Crime Community app, in the App Store, y'all, it's free. It's called a community for a reason. All my pages, it's like we built this thing, this company built it for us. Uh, All my social media but not my actual social media, right? We still have the crew page and I still have Instagram and all that. But it's like, has all those things inside the app and it's free. You go in there, all the forums, the chats, the the different rooms. We still have like the Lanyap page where you can go in if it's not true crime related and list anything that you, you know, your hobbies or sales or videos or whatever the hell you want to do, uh, things that you sell, whatever. We have a Bookham Club, lifers that they've started this true crime book club that they all read and they get in these this form from all over the world and they discuss it. We have the Real Life Real Crime store. We have the daily news feed. We have daily true crime facts. We have, you can earn coins and, then, you know, the more that you interact inside the app, the more coins you get for whatever, right? It's everything Real Life Real Crime and I go there every morning before I go anywhere else on social media. So check it out, Real Life Real Crime community app in the app store. You're going to love it. It's uncensored people. Fuck Facebook. They censor me almost every day. Not not just for things that I say, but for things that other people post. And um, eventually I'm going to get away from them. Um, not for any other reason than... I mean, I'm not... Yeah, I'll always be thankful for them. I know that's how we built this and it, we spread word of mouth, et cetera. I, I'm thankful for that. But I do not appreciate being censored. I don't like the way the, the direction that stuff's going. But the Real Life Real Crime community app is for lifers. It's if if you love Real Life Real Crime, you're gonna love it. Go download it for free. And if you want to upgrade, like patron members, if you want to swap over the the subscriptions in the 
app or call convicts and it's different levels patreon members if you want to swap over and you haven't done it already it, it because it's a hassle or or you can't get it to work whatever just email cindy it's c-y-n-d-i at real life real crime.com and she will hook you up and that's it y'all if you are a lifer from wichita and you want to become an organ donor, you can go to lopa.org. That's the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, but it's lopa.org, nonprofit. Take about two minutes and fill out your organ donor information. You don't have to be from Louisiana. Certainly, if you're from Louisiana, go there. Um, give the gift of life site. Be a hero. Be an organ donor. And I'm Woody Overton, your host of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. And until next time or ever, don't let me catch you down on Murder Bayou. Peace. Real Life Real Crime is a true crime podcast brought to you by Woody Overton and executive producer Toby Tomplay in conjunction with iHeartRadio and Cloud 10 Media.